When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com wonder. Why is it that with sparkling water, I'm always playing guessing games with what flavor I'm drinking? Is it citrus? Is it aluminum can flavored? Mm, not sure. Sparkling ice, though, they really mean flavor. Like in-your-face flavor. Orange mango, black raspberry. Don't even get me started on the strawberry lemonade. Kiwi strawberry slid right into my taste buds DMs last night and let them know who's boss. No subtleties there and no sugar either. But it does have vitamins and antioxidants. Find sparkling ice at a major grocery store or club retailer near you. Sparkling ice. Anything but subtle. Hello and welcome to episode 300 and no, what? Episode 237 of what most people think. Look, I've got to be honest, the reason I'm slightly frazzled there is because I'm already recording the podcast late on a Tuesday and I just recorded half of the podcast and I realised that I hadn't put the mic in. So I don't know how your day's going, but if you can imagine, my neighbours would have just heard a scream and an F-bomb so loud it could destroy half of the village. I was just so angry. And it's my fault, of course. You know, it's that kind of anger that blokes have as though there was some sort of, like, external third party that had made this happen. It was just me. I didn't check the thing. And then I listened to it back because it was using the internal mic, and I was desperately hoping the quality would be passable. But it wasn't, okay? So I hope you guys... What, Jeff? We appreciate that you basically did the minimum requirement, which was have decent sound for a sound-based medium. Yes, I do hope that. Yeah, I guess what I'm asking for is a medal. Listen, I also have other news for you, okay? And I feel I've just got to come clean here. I am doing the biggest away leg of the tour this week, Wednesday, Derby, and in successive days, I'm in Kendall, Lancaster, Middlesbrough, okay? I'm going to be on the road a lot, and I'm not doing Travelodge. Okay, it's out there. I'm not doing Travelodge. I just can't, I just can't, I know maybe I've changed. Maybe I've changed as a person. Maybe I've got, you know, become Barry Big Bollocks, but I'm doing Premier Inn. I'm doing Premier Inn, and I just need to do it for my mental health. I need to do it for my mental health. And and furthermore, I've also paid the extra to have the breakfast on every on every day. And I know there'll be a lot of blokes listening going, Jeff, that is overpriced nonsense. You should either go to Tesco and just buy a roll and a coffee for like three quid or go to find a nearby cafe on your Maps app. I know, I know, I just, I don't know what it is. I'm busy at the moment and I just feel like I've got to take care of number one, you know, to hell with the costs. And furthermore, the, the shocks just keep coming here. Is I am, um, well, the sea at Ibiza, I, I'd so desperately wanted to get her to 200,000 miles on the clock, and I don't think we're going to make it. 
I don't think we're going to make it. And it's sort of like, a, you know, once you set a target, you know, when cricketers say, oh, I'm going to retire at the end of the summer. And then when they're not putting runs on the board, in the case of the sea out, what happened was there's quite a big bit of damage to the bodywork. And I realise that that does sound like there's a metaphor here that I've, I've called the car her and now I'm trading her in early for a younger model because of bodywork. I see, I see the parallels. I just, you know, again, with this big drive coming up, it, it's focused the mind and I, I, I'm going to have to, look, the deal's not fully done yet, but if it is, I'm going to have to think of an appropriate send-off for the Seattle Ibiza. Maybe I'll drive around the Oval at the end of the summer <laughs> to applause with the family, you know what I mean? Like cricketers do when they retire. Uh, okay, it is, as you can probably tell, a solo show this week and part of the reason for that is that we have much to catch up on. No sooner did I say tough week for Labour uh, last week than, well, the Tories promptly went and said, well, we're not having that. We want some attention. So they got smashed in two by-elections. So we'll be looking at what that means, the fallout from it, and what happens next for the Conservative Party, really. We'll also look at Sadiq Khan naming the uh, overground lines. Oh, he's named some overground lines, has he? What, has he done a mix of sort of progressive causes and historical causes? Yeah, yeah, of course he has. That's what Sadiq's like. No, of course. He went pretty much all one way, but we're going to look at them, try to be objective as possible and say, do they work as names for train lines? First and foremost, okay? And I'm going to try and be as open-minded as possible. Also, I'm going to be talking about working from home. I was on one of the Jeremy Vine multiverse of programs the other day, and it just reminded me of how defensive people are of working from home and and why that is, you know? Is it because it's a right touch? Possibly. There are other things at play, of course, and I know even now the working from home crowd will be listening to this and getting a bit defensive, but there was a new um, a new survey that said that civil servants... Get this, you're going to have to get back up off your fainting couch. Civil servants want to work from home the most. And I know, I mean, the, the shocks just keep coming. So we're going to get into that. And then the Patreon only section, uh, I have a very interesting message from a Patreon about what it's like to be a right wing woman and how left wing men and women respond to you. New Patreons, right? We've got a bunch of new Patreons here. We've got Izzy. What is that short for? Oh, it'd be Isabella, wouldn't it? Isabella, Isabella. It's, that's one of those girls' names, isn't it? We're parents. Give their kids really pretty names. They give their kids, no matter how progressive they are, the moment you've got a, like a baby girl in front of you, you're like, oh, Molly, Polly, Lolly, Isabella, Arabella, Amelia. <laughs> and, and I bet you it, it's the first act of rebellion, isn't it, for a young girl when she's goes, I'm called Izzy. I'm called Izzy now. And they're like, oh, but darling, 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 we gave you that name. It's such a beautiful name. Izzy. I'm called Izzy. I'm not even called Izzy. I'm called Iz. I'm called Iz, Iz Monster. So welcome, Izzy. We also got Stephen Kay. I'm going to presume that that is not... Kay Amos, the comedian, is Stephen Kay. Maybe that's your reputation, that you love ketamine. And, you know, when you go on stag do's, they put Stephen Kay on your back, and you're like, lads, I know I love a bit of, you know, I love a bump, but I'd rather not advertise it as such. So Stephen Kay, welcome. Aaron McGeever. McGeever. That's how you know you sound like. You sound like, in a conventional cop drama, you sound like the crazy partner. That's how I like my cop dramas to be. I want them to be completely conventional with the straight-laced guy, and then McGeever. McGeever, get in my office! And you want an angry chief. You want an angry, harassed chief that's always standing over his desk with both hands, palms down, staring into the eyes of his employees. I want results! McGeever, you drove... God damn it, McGeever! <laughs> I got the mayor on my ass. You drove through a, a market and knocked over some boxes, McGeever. The mayor wants my ass. Everyone, in America, they always like want their, their ass. Their ass is always on the line, isn't it? 
It's something they have a weird relationship with their ass. But I loved that. I loved that. And welcome Aaron McGeever, Stephen K, and Izzy. Remember with the Patreon, if you if you join at any level, you'll get it early, ad-free, and with bonus content. If you're going to join the VIP, you get a guaranteed question in the monthly Patreon only, and that's coming up at the end of this month. Uh, if you upgrade to £20 a month, i.e. board member level, I will consult you on various things to do with the podcast. And also, you'll get a, a hardback copy of my first book, Where Did I Go Right? Free. Well, obviously free. I mean, you, you become board members. But uh, look, everyone that's joined the board has stayed with the board, so there must be a reason for that. The main talking point, David Domain, our super patron, David basically looks at last week's episode and picks issues out of it. And he says, regarding President Biden, it's theoretically possible. We were talking about whether or not he could be taken from office because of his, I mean, well, just look at him. Uh, it's theoretically possible he could be removed because of senility. Impeachment aside, it is the 25th Amendment, specifically Section 4 of the amendment, that provides the only other way that the USA Constitution allows for removal of a president. It's a grey area. I like what you've done there. It's a very grey area when it comes to Joe. Beyond grey. It's a grey area whether it can be used to remove a president for mental health issues. So far, only Section 3 of the 25th Amendment has been used in cases where the president was physically incapacitated. Okay, so, yeah. You know what's interesting about the Biden-Trump thing? Because it's on the horizon, isn't it? I mean, there's, there's no good ending to this currently, is there? But the, the American establishment or the liberal establishment is sort of making some of the same mistakes they made when Hillary was in. So there's a show called The View, which is basically like Loose Women. Or I, think it's, I think it's more high profile there than that show is here. And um, they were talking about how, you know, staging a debate for the presidency. And they basically said they weren't sure that they wanted to give Donald Trump a platform. OK, you know. I understand that people find him a worrying figure, but if he's the if he's the presidential candidate, that is that's a big call to make on behalf of people. And then they also said that they weren't sure that they wanted Biden on because it basically he would just be Joe Biden. He would just say weird things. He would think he would sort of greet some sort of dead female celebrity from the fifties and go, "Hey, Jane Mansfield." It is, I think, a problem that if it sort of plays into the theory or the conspiracy theory that they're all out to get Trump, doesn't it? If like if that's his point, his point is, they're all out to get me, I don't know why, I don't know what I did. They, they're, they're trying to take me down. And, and like, he's been, some of them are trying to take him down for legitimate reasons, but if you then remove his right to debate and you're making decisions on behalf of the electorate, it's not really, you know... I mean, if you look at how America was founded, right, as a democracy, the main reason they told us Brits to fuck off was because we were taking the decision-making process away from them, you know, taxation without representation. So they don't like that. There's still that fucking tea in the harbour because of that. I mean, they still haven't fully repaired their relationship with tea, so tread carefully there. Okay, quick thank you and a fuck you. The thank you... Well, it's just great to see Matt Ford back working. Now, Matt Ford, obviously friend of the show, but has ruffled feathers here in the past, it's fair to say. But I'm sure you'll all join me in saying... Uh, get well soon and he is getting well he, I mean, he had cancer and he had to have a bit of his spine removed and I think you know for a young man Matt's younger than me that's, that's a, a real shocking you know twist in his life but it's great to see him back he's 
uh, rehabilitating and he can't walk fully at the moment, but he's he's training himself back up. It's such a, a big fork in the road of someone's life. But if, you, if you've seen him on anything, he's back on his absolute radio show and on his podcast. He's talking with such positivity. It really is great to see. So I hope to see Matt soon. I hope to see him back on the podcast at some point to talk about, you know, what's happened and, and how he's feeling. But the reason, one of the reasons I mention it is, is I'm very grateful that he's got new episodes of his podcast out, the political party and he had Lee Anderson on this week and a bit like I do with comics where I have comics that think differently from me on I just want to hear what they've got to say Matt does that with people from the right and Lee Anderson is obviously a very you know divisive figure I have not always been his biggest fan but I have to say I have to say I I, I warmed to the man after listening to this he's got an incredible story right he you know a a former minor former Labour Party um, councillor He's a single dad. Like, his story is incredible. There's literally no one in the commons like him. But he's also got this this sort of dry humour. And I don't know, I think sometimes he's deliberately funny, but then sometimes stuff comes out of him. He was talking about his time working down the pits and he paints this really hard, bleak picture of what life was like working as a miner. And he's going, well, you get up at 5am, you know, that in that broad East Midlands drawl that just sounds like the epitome of working class, you know. I get up at 5am, I'll be down pits and uh, it'll be 100 degrees and... It burned my face and the water were acidic and you know, just like this the succession of things that were just anyone, any right thinking person would just say, fuck that. And then and he said, we'd come back out and you know, we'd feel less than human, you know, we'd coughing our guts up. And, and then he ends this long anecdote by saying, but I've got nothing but fondness for those memories. <laughs> I mean, the comic timing of it was, was almost Python-esque. It was fantastic. So do, you know, if you if you want to, because listen, a lot of the stuff that we hear from Lee Anderson is his quotable stuff. It is no doubt the spicier end of what he says. But if you find him an obnoxious figure, just, just listen to this. I think it's interesting that there's a person in British politics who has this background. The fuck you is people playing music on their phones. I know this is fairly low-hanging fruit, but my God, it has become an epidemic. Well, I know everything's an epidemic, isn't it? Epidemic of mental health, epidemic of... Uh, Toxic masculinity, epidemic of fat kids. No, there's nothing currently that bad that's not an epidemic. Is there anything good? We have an epidemic of anything good? I don't know. Like we have an epidemic of quality audio content. <laughs> but yeah, the people playing stuff out of their phones. Now, it was always teenagers, right? And let's be honest, statistically, demographically, it's most likely to be a teenage lad, probably a white lad. I'm just mean around the country in terms of raw stats. And and mostly they'll be playing grime music out of their phone. And I guess that's because in the same way that punk was anti-establishment, if you're a teenage lad, you've got to be a bit anti-establishment, and grime is that, isn't it? And it was just that weird clicking sort of hi-hat cymbal sound that kind of gets right in your fucking ear. It just sounds... I know that grime's got all loads of subgenres, but it always seems to be a lad just spouting off, giving it large. You know, yeah, I've got my bit of food. You always see me out with my crew. And then you see the lad bopping his head and you think, in fairness, fella, you, you look like you live in a five-bedroom detached house. I'm not sure you have a crew as such, maybe like sailing club crew. <laughs> but look, I, mean, I get it. Like young people always have a genre of music that won't make sense to older people. But it's always the same genre. Why can't it just be, look, just once in a while, lads, play a bit of Nat- Natasha Bedingfield. I don't know, a bit of easy listening. Does, why does that never happen? Why is it never a bit of, you know... Hotel California, just something that that maybe the carriage could have a sing-along to. It's always that stuff. And then, so we've always, we've had that for the last few years. And then into the mix. Much worse than that is parents. Parents who, A, 
don't notice that their kids are playing stuff loudly or just don't have the balls or the fucking gumption or character, frankly, to tell their kids to knock it on the head. But also we'll do FaceTimes. FaceTiming your family on public transport. What, who? Why has this become a thing? You know when something's already bad, you're like, all right, there's the music, there's the grime, coming through my crew, right? There's that every single time. And then into the mix, you go, oh, you found a way to make this much worse. FaceTiming your family. And, and as if it's not bad enough, then they'll go, what's that? I don't know what's happening. What, what? Like we know when the signal goes, right? It's, it's the, when a phone call loses quality, there's only really ever one reason. But there's a certain kind of person that's never got their head around that fact, so it's always a fucking mystery to them. I don't know what happened there. Oh, I guess we went through a fucking tunnel. And <laughs> this is all based on things bouncing off satellites and you were underground, so maybe that. But yeah, please resume your conversation with your family that definitely couldn't be had on the walk back from the station. So look, if anyone wants my vote at this point, I would just say we're going to stick signs on trains and tubes and buses saying, don't be a dick. Wear AirPods or turn it off, you pricks. There you go. Snappy. Sadiq, if you need me, you know where I am. Okay, let's have a catch up on what is a, uh, and yet another eventful seven weeks in, seven weeks? It felt like seven weeks. Seven days in British politics. So like I say, so new sooner, new sooner, I went like a French person in LOLO there, sooner, and no sooner had I put up an episode saying tough week for Labour than the Tories got thumped in the by-elections. Where were we? Kingswood? So that was where Chris Skidmore, I mean, <laughs> he would have got bullied. Skiddy Skidmore! Oi, oi. Skidmore, he stood down because the Conservative Party weren't green enough. A lot of that is sometimes missed is that the Tories have got their kind of eco, you know, wet wing. Uh, wet wing, that sounds like a, a sanitary product. Boo, Jeff, too much. And then it was Peter Bone in Wellingborough. Peter Bone, I mean, they've had a guy that was accused of being handsy called Chris Pincher. They had another guy that was accused of exposing himself called Bone. I don't know, if they've got a, an MP whose surname is Smash, I'm just going to say, I, w- I would open a file on that fella. <laughs> If you're a paparazzi, follow him around because he's, he's fucking someone. So in both of these situations, the electorate are never delighted when they're forced to vote because the sitting candidate either was deposed or stood down. It was made much worse in Wellingborough by the fact that Peter Bone, his current partner, stood in his place. I, I don't know what's going on with Conservative parties, you know, politics at local level, but that is almost like a fuck you to everybody, the entire world, to decency. And in a shock move, they, they lost by a near record swing. And it's interesting because the day after I did a tweet, which I was particularly happy with, uh, where I said that uh, it's telling for the Tories that Labour can win without standing for much. You know, it's like your wife saying, I'm, gonna, I'm leaving you for another man. And you saying, what's his name? And her going, I don't really know yet. Like, that is the level of it. It's like, I'm definitely going to get in another relationship. But to show you how I feel about you, I don't even know who that person is yet. Now, any right person would think, well, that's actually most damning for the Tories in a way. But there's this entitled kind of Labour voter at the moment, the Starmerites, that they're used to having the force with them right now. It's all been anti-Tory. And they took issue with the idea that Labour don't stand for much. And I got a bit of a drag in in some quarters. Though we talk about Labour stand for loads. And then, of course, because... They couldn't really tell me exactly what Labour stood for. A lot of them just went back to, well, at least they're not giving their mates money and blah, you know, like they just rattle off the charge sheet for the Tories recently, which is legitimate, some of it, but it doesn't mean that 
you know, Labour stand for much. You know, being not a thing isn't the same as standing for something. So that was that was funny to me. The entitled nature of some Labour voters that just they're used to a twenty point lead in the poll. You know, they're like Man United fans in the nineties, aren't they? I remember United were winning games and championships and titles and FA Cups. They used to start singing, this is so fucking easy, so fucking easy. And the moment, you know, someone equalises against them, they're spitting, they're not, they're not used to this feeling. So that's something to watch for the future. But then on the other side, you've got the right-wingers, some of them who took issue with me, obviously less angrily, because generally Tory voters are less angry, saying that Labour only won because people stayed at home. So if you looked at it, I think in Wellingborough, Labour only actually scored 107 more votes than they did under Corbyn. That's because the turnout was 38%. So I, I take that point on board to a point. But it's still a decision, isn't it? The decision to not go and vote is still a decision. It's not like that they all forgot. That, that was They basically said, fuck them, you know. It's like saying, I'm only poor because no one gives me money. If people just came and give me money, I would be minted. But nobody's giving me money. So if that changes and people randomly start giving me money... I'll be flush. What most people think. Want to be more active this summer? Sierra helps you save on everything from swimsuits to stand-up paddleboards, tennis rackets to fishing tackle. And if that doesn't float your boat, we also have pool floats. Sierra, let's get moving to your local store, like now. Go! 16 years from today, Greg Gerstner will finally land the perfect cannonball. Epic Splash. Unsuspecting friends. A work of art, only possible because Greg is already meeting all these same people at AARP volunteer and community events that keep him active and involved and help make sure his happiness lives as long as he does. That's why the younger you are, the more you need AARP. Learn more at aarp.org local. Your brain needs support. And new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L-theanine, and caffeine. Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y dot com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. And then there was the issue of the reform vote, which so far in by-elections hadn't really matched up to its national polling. So, you know, polling around anything between 8 and 12%, scoring around 3 to 5% at by-elections. And they actually... So Ben Habib was their candidate in Wellingborough, and he's a former Brexit Party guy, and he's quite a slick operator. He has a profile. He, he actually outperformed the polls. He got 13%. And I started to wonder about reform because, I mean... Unlike Brexit, right? The Brexit part, you're like, well, what are the Brexit part? Well, they're going to get Brexit done, right? What was UKIP? Well, they were prior to that. We're going to get UK, you know, initially we're going to stop the UK joining the euro. And then we're going to get the UK out of Europe and it's going to be UK independence. The Reform Party is a vaguer proposition, isn't it? I mean, they're literally the not the Tories party. So their boss, Richard Tice, I mean, his argument is that they've sort of failed at being conservatives and reform are going to, reform are going to do it right. I mean, it's, it's interesting because reform's quite a general word. Maybe they picked it for that reason. If you, if you pick something that sounded right-wing, maybe this is the genius. You know, you call something conservative, a lot of people don't want to think of themselves as conservative, do they? It's not like a cool thing to be. So they've got reform. Everyone's like, yeah, reform's great, reform's cool, you know. No political party would call themselves, like, right-wing Ronnies. Um, <laughs> I don't know where the fuck that came from in my brain. But, yeah, if you sort of say the Love Britain party, there's a lot, I mean, it sounds right-wing, but... 
there's nothing in the name that explicitly says that. So maybe it's a good way of pulling people um, from the left over. And I suppose maybe, you know, there's a lot of people, the never Labour crowd, the people that just don't ever want to vote Labour in their lives. I understand that feeling, but... Maybe it's a way of them indirectly voting for Labour. So the picture that the Tories are making, it was if a vote for reform is a vote for Labour. I don't know if that's as successful a line as you think, because what you're sort of saying is if you can't actually bring yourself to put a cross by the Labour guy, but maybe have concluded that possibly we need five years of a change, then vote for reform and you can walk away with a clear conscience, but you know, you still get rid of the Tories. So that could be in people's thinking. And just generally, I mean, the level of, of certainty about... The Tories. I see sometimes the polls, you know, ironically, last week after the anti-Semitism stuff, there was a reduction, quite a significant one in some polls. And whenever you read the comments there, there's some people that genuinely can't believe that there's a single person that would vote Conservative. Like this, I can't believe that they're still polling even 24%. What, you can't believe that a quarter of people in this country want to vote for essentially the only right of centre offering. I mean, it is so weird how it's skewed in this country where you've got Labour, Lib Dems, SNP, Greens, all those parties left of centre, right? And then you've got Tories right of centre and now reform. So what they don't understand that if a person is right wing, as much as they've got a problem with the Tories, they would find it very hard to vote against what their political orientation is. You know, I always say to people in 2010 who voted Labour, like you voted Labour after the Iraq war after the election scandal, after Gordon Brown calling a woman who had concerns about immigration bigoted. And they're like, yeah, well, because I could never vote Tory. I'm going, well, it's the same the other way around. There are people on the other side who are that tribal about it. They're, but I'm, I'm sure that they normally come down to the idea. But but I'm nice and Labour's good and Tories are Sith and da, 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 da. But yeah, I, I think what's happened is is that Labour have been successful in, in making a narrative stick that, that everything's broken, you know. Nothing works. That's what people say now, don't they? Nothing works. It's like having a domestic, isn't it? When your wife says, you never wash up. And you go, I wash up twice last week. And But the point is when someone's upset, that's not really the point they're making, is it feels like you never wash up. And And the idea with the country, of course, now being in a very, very shallow recession. I don't know, but they keep saying shallow recession. That just means it's really superficial. The only thing people are spending money on is like cosmetics. And boob jobs. I mean, on that note, sorry, I realise I'm jumping all over the shop here a little bit. It is interesting, isn't it, that the reaction in some quarters, because it's that weird thing when you want a government out, is that you actually want bad news. So you, so when you, there's news of a recession, you're sort of happy about it because it allows you to go online and say all the usual things you want to do about get the Tories out. And so the point is this, it's a very shallow recession, right? It What is it? 0.3% contraction across the quarter or something. Now, if you're saying, well, it's a recession, the economy's crashed, you know, Starmer keeps trying to make this line stick. If the economy's crashed with 0.3% contraction, if the Tories, and there might well be growth in the first quarter of this year, if they get like 0.5% growth, is, is the economy motoring then? Is that what's happened to our economy? Is it's become so flatlined that even tiny movements are like a big fucking deal? You know, imagine that 1.1% in a quarter, be like, oh, the good times are back. It'll be like the fucking roaring 20s. <laughs> <laughs> we'll all get out of the, the beads and start doing the Charleston. Most people think. I mean, if you look at um, all around the, the world, parties that were in power during COVID are struggling because the public at the time, and the public are massive fucking hypocrites, let's be honest. Public like, spend the money, lock us down, keep us safe, pay us money, give us money, give us Disney Plus, and that cost a lot of money, right? I mean, that is the context we are in. 
This is why taxes have gone up, because we spent a fucking shitload of money during COVID, which also caused runaway inflation once people, we came out of lockdown, and then there was Ukraine. I mean, if one thing is incredible that the Tories aren't able to make this argument, and maybe they do make it, and maybe no one cares, or maybe they think that it will be seen as as moaning, but all of which has led, led it to a feeling that a Labour government is um, inevitable, right? And I was thinking, all right, you know, I'm not, that doesn't terrify me in the way it once did, but what is the talent, you know, on the front bench of the Labour Party, right? So let's do, I thought it'd be fun to do a face-off of the front bench. Who would you take? Sunak versus Starmer. Now, this might surprise people. I think I'd take Sunak, man. I Some people accuse me of being a bit of a Starmer lover. I, don't, I do not know where that has come from. I've said nothing but bad things about that. I just, it's, there's not much in it. But Starmer's inability to stick to a simple principle, it's worrying to me. I do see shadows of Blair. <laughs> I, mean, I don't know who we're going to fucking invade, but I feel like Starmer would invade somewhere. So I'd take Sunak, but not by much. Hunt versus Reeves, Jeremy Hunt versus Reeves. I mean, this is a real clash of the charisma titans here. I mean, they're both very establishment, sort of banker-friendly type figures. I'd probably call that a score draw, maybe. Health, Atkins versus Streeting. I think it's Victoria Atkins. I mean, that says a lot if I don't know. I'd probably, that'd be, I would probably give the win. It's controversial. I'd give the win to West Street in there, but only because he seems to be up for having a discussion about how we structure the NHS going forward. Home office, James Cleverly versus Yvette Cooper. I will, I'll go Cleverly. I think he's um, a good communicator. I, I just don't see the fuss about Yvette Cooper. She seems to have been involved in, you know, like one of those football managers that just keeps turning up at clubs that get relegated and then we'll just get another job where they say, oh, we bought in Yvette Cooper here. She's done a job at a lot of places. You, know, you just remind me of what fucking places that was because with Yvette Cooper, she was part of the Gordon Brown administration. She was part of the Ed Miller band. Do you know what I mean? She's just like, like, oh yeah, she was there at Middlesbrough when they went down there at Ipswich. But uh, yeah, she's got a two-year contract at Carrow Road. And then uh, Foreign Secretary's fairly clear-cut Cameron versus Lammy. I mean, it's got to be Cameron. I think Cameron's doing an all right job in the Foreign Office. And David Lammy, I mean, if you just want to just watch his mastermind. I don't feel like enough people, enough people have seen that. And while you're at it, then watch Monty Panasar's. It is quite something. So, look, I think that in terms of personnel, and I know this isn't the bigger picture. There's a wider party. There's their recent record in office. But I do think it's quite an... Clear cut win, actually. I was surprised at that for, you know, if you if you compare the two front benches. But I don't think it's going to change anything. I think that come the election, the polls might narrow to as close as maybe 10%. But I think, you know, we are all the evidence is that we're going to see an, a Labour government here. But I know that the Labour machine are very wary of complacency setting in. But um, there is a bit of complacency, certainly in the commentariat. I was... Uh, I was watching a clip with Carol Vorderman and a couple of left-wing podcasters, and they were—they actually said one of them said, um, "So, what, what, what are you going to do when the toys get out? What kind of party are you going to have?" And they were talking about, "Oh my God, I'm be so hungover." And I thought you, you you probably will get that chance, but my God, my God, if there's anything that could make me vote conservative, it's just to see what look on their face would be if that didn't happen, you know. And listen, it's, it's not the toys are definitely not going to be the biggest party at the very least. But I can't wait to be there the day that, you know, all these people that have made a personality or a podcast or a media career out of being, get the Tories out. I can't wait to be there. You know, once they've had their celebration, once the hangover clears, once they realise, oh, fuck, what do I talk about now?
Okay, that was a longer section than I expected. The uh, hype, the hype. I've got big dates coming up on the tour. Big rooms at the end of the tour. Wimbledon Theatre. It was briefly off sale, so apologies if you tried to get tickets there. There are definitely tickets free. Uh, we're doing Reading. We're doing the Reading Theatre. I don't know, I think it's called that. Anyway, I'm doing Reading. Go to Live Nation, you'll find it. Uh, I think we sold like 500 there, but it's a 700-seater room. It'd be great to fill it. Similar story in Crawley and Shrewsbury. Uh, a crew, I'm doing my first ever date in crew at the Lyceum Theatre, and I'm in Dublin. I'm in Dublin. And I promise, I promise this, if, if, if I get over 150 people in Dublin, I will do the whole show in this weird kind of hybrid accent that sort of sounds like... Drifts into a bit of Terry Wogan from time to time. Oh, fuck, it didn't even sound like Terry Wogan. But look, just please buy tickets for Dublin. All right. Okay, so Sadiq Khan, he's a busy boy, isn't he? He's always doing stuff, isn't he? Just to make sure that the people that like him still like him. Doesn't really give a fuck about anybody else. He gave names to the London Overground lines, which, in, in all honesty, is not a bad idea. It is, they are very confusing, and there's no way to describe it. So the actual principle of giving the lions names was, was a good thing. But he's done this usual Sadiq thing where he names them in a way that's most likely to just please one group, and he doesn't give a fuck about anybody else. And therefore, he gets good headlines from the people that he wants, where they say, oh, yes, yes, Sadiq, yes. This annoys all the right people. You go, how about just not annoying people, Sadiq? How about that? But I thought, right, instead of getting upset about this, you know, and going full Daily Telegraph, why don't I just go through them line by line and just see if they sound like train lines, okay? So we've got the Lioness line. It just, i got to say, it's a bit recent. You know, they want, I mean, look, look, celebrating England being Germany, I'm always up for a bit of that. But it just does sound like the kind of thing that a guy would say at a meeting to try and establish his feminist credentials, you know? Guy just basically wants to cop off, and he thinks the best way to do that is to be a feminist. Like, going, you guys, why do we call it a lioness line? Or I just, you know, I, I actually, I think I prefer watching women's football. <laughs> you know, one of those dudes going, you know, I just, I, my daughters, I just, I won't even let them watch men's football. I won't, I won't. It's just we have only women's football, women's boxing. I just, I just think men's sport is just so toxic. <laughs> <laughs> in women's boxing it's like they actually check each other all right when they've knocked them down so yeah the lioness line it just doesn't work as a noun the mild may line it's just not a good noun i get the principle of it it was a hospital that did pioneering work for hiv aids um is that what you still say do you remember when i was god in the AIDS, we didn't know for a while did we aids was uh, hiv we thought it was the same thing fucking confusing but um Yes, they did pioneering work, and thankfully people with HIV can live fairly full lives now. But mild May line, it just, it's weird to say, all right? That's the only problem with that. The Weaver line, absolutely, textiles industry, it sounds like a line, doesn't it? It weaves its way in and out. I'm happy with that. We can, we can go with that. The Liberty line, I mean, it's just, it's a bit pretentious, isn't it? The Liberty, because what, because London's always had a lot of Liberty. Um, I'm not sure about that. I, I think the Freedom line might have been... It might have been better. I don't know. I mean, what I guess what he really wanted to call it was the woke line. <laughs> but you, you can't do that. So he's like, all right, what's kind of like alluding to the idea of personal freedom to be who you want to be? We'll call it the Liberty line. I guess it's got an alliteration in there, so that works quite well. But it sounds like such a positive thing. I cannot imagine being on the Liberty line at midnight with loads of drunk arseholes there. It wouldn't, it wouldn't feel like that much Liberty. And then the one that really doesn't work for me is the suffragette line because it just there's quite a lot of syllables there. 
It doesn't sound like a train line. And then, as I said, you know, there is that situation where you could end up saying something that didn't sound very feminist at all. Like, oh, yeah, I've, I rode the lioness because the suffragette had broken down. <laughs> yeah, someone had thrown themselves in front of the suffragette. Like, I mean, that would just sound, well, that's very on brand. Was that, oh, will I get in trouble for that one? I don't know. But overall, look, fine, good idea, name the lines. It would have been good if there could have been more of a mix of kind of background to them. But um, that's Sadiq. So working from home, uh, working from home people, you're listening to this, what are you doing? You have a little two hour walk with the dogs, right? Or are you just about to sit down and watch three hours of a box set? <laughs> when's your lunch break start and when's it end? Be honest, 11.30 till 2.30. Oh, I love winding up the working from homers. You can always get them. But anyway, look, we're talking about this because there was a survey which talked about how many days people thought that they should be able to work from home. And it turns out civil servants uh, want to work from home. <laughs> The most. Because, you know, let's be honest, when you're in a public job, there's a certain entitlement that goes with it, right? It's cushy. The pension's good. They're not exposed to some of the things people are in the private sector, right? I'll get letters for that. Look, if if I'm talking bollocks on any of this, what most people think, uk at gmail.com. If I've annoyed you, message me. Write me a letter and we'll talk about it next week. But surprisingly, also construction felt that they should be able to work from home quite a lot. I don't really know how you achieved that. I don't know if there's like, you just have a drone crane or something. And teaching, surprise, surprise. I mean, God, that is a surprise, teaching. Teachers were so keen to get back to school. <laughs> Look, I know some teachers were, but my God, there were a hell of a lot of teachers that you could just tell they were saying, can we get this teaching from home thing full time? And look, I get it. Loads of kids playing fucking grime music out of their phones all day long. I understand. But what that does demonstrate, I think, is that the desire to work from home isn't logical, Right? It's not about what's best for your job or what enables you to do your job well. It's about what works for you. And there's always got to be a balance, work, life, right? But the work from homers do seem to skew that balance very close to them being able to warm up some soup in their own microwave, right? Because, you look, I mean, you, you get to get up later, you make lunch in your own kitchen, you have more money. I mean, there's obvious reasons why people are going to want this. It doesn't mean necessarily that it's the right thing for the economy or your you know your your job right so when I was um on Jeremy Vine somebody called in and said well you know when I go in because because the argument is always that working from home people are always saying I, I actually get more done I am actually more productive I am and like there's been lots of studies that say that people get more done yeah and what what are the metrics for that study is that you ask somebody who works from home do you get more done you might as well ask them do you like getting up later and having more money because that's really the question that they're answering. And this woman said, well, you know, when I do go into the office just one day a week, there's loads of new starters that just want to ask me questions. And I actually find it distracting. That is the point, love. That's the point. It's selfish because young people who haven't had the experience of a bustling office or workplace. How do you work out how to do a job? There's literally work shadowing. Is A shadow has to be very close to the thing that it's a shadow of. Look, we wouldn't even be in recession, would we? If we're in a shallow recession, if we had people going on average into the office one more day a week, all those prets, and I know people are working from home now going, oh my God, pret, that's like nine quid. That's how they see it now. They've, they've worked out an equation of what they're saving and they're now trying to protect those winnings. And I totally understand that. It's a completely human thing to do. People get defensive when they don't want to lose something, right? I don't mind. I want their life to be better. I just want them to admit that it's about vested interest. It's the same as when people, you know, like when they talk about giving the BBC less funding, the people that always get most upset about that 
are always like centre left people. It's almost always them. But they, but they also say, well, the BBC's not biased. They're just objective. They go, all right, why are you always the one that gets the most upset when anybody talks about changing the principle of licence fee? Because the real left wingers, they think the BBC's all Tory. The right wingers think the BBC's a, a woke fest. So I'm just saying that there might be a little bit of bias in it and that you work from home as you're the best judge of what's right for you. God bless you. That's your right. But are you the best judge of what's right for the company and the wider economy? Let's just say, let's get Britain out of recession. Let's get people out paying stupid money for their lunch again. That's what we're basically saying, right? And of course, if you're annoyed with me, you've probably already cracked the code that I am somebody who can never really do his job from home. Not the stat. Look, I love doing stand-up, the bit of getting there. I'm just fucking, it's jealousy, isn't it? That's what it comes down to. I mean, at least my podcast I can do from home. So maybe, maybe I'm biased. And the only way I could really stress test my theory, if somebody said, right, Jeff, to do your podcast, every, would you still do it if you had to go into London every single time? Fuck. I think I, I, think I, I, think I might want to change my mind. Okay, that is the solo podcast um, for this week. Thanks very much for listening to it. Listen, if you could recommend my show, you know, I want to keep the show growing. I'm really liking uh, the new format and the breaking news thing. So just if there's somebody you think might like it, you know, or, or I tell you what, if there's somebody that listens to all the centre-left ones like news agents, newscasts, and the rest is politics, just go, look, maybe you should just spruce up your diet. Have a bit of right-wing nutrition. <laughs> Uh, maybe that should be the slogan for the podcast okay um, a few reviews if you leave them on iTunes I'll be able to see them and read them but if you leave them anywhere it's appreciated this is from Clara Fox oh hello Clara great funny informative very late to your podcast but loving it interesting guests but great on your own too I made that sound flirtatious Clara you may not have felt that way in any way uh, and that was it that was one review for this week so if you do enjoy the podcast uh, leave a five star review we will be back with a guest episode next week and listen I'm gonna I'm just gonna try and relax and enjoy the premiere and I know there'll be a part of me thinking Jeff there are people out there there are my fellow brethren in travel lodges with with heating that they can't adjust and tiny kettles that take too long to boil and, and I'll, I'll pour a sip on the floor for my homies in Travelodge. I'll pour a sip of, well, really poor quality tea. <laughs>